neighbors need to hear about? Is there any other duck tank that we're missing? One thing that impressed me, I did a, I mean, just kind of pulling things from the article I wrote earlier that was like my major takeaways from the day, which if you haven't read that, go to duckswire.usatoday.com uh, and read that. Um, just throw in your own plug in there. I'll do it. Plug, 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 plug. I feel at home with you guys. Yes. yes. Um, what I thought was really cool is to see how well not only Dan Lanning, but this Oregon staff recruited offensive players. Hello and welcome to the Flock Pod. We are at hashtag 106. Oh man, I didn't look actually. I think we are at hashtag 106 for today's episode here in the beautiful condo. The Avatarier producers are hanging out, keeping things pretty calm today. Toph looks like she's on one, so we'll see what happens. Trouble's a brewing. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Trouble is a brewing. I can see it about to happen. If you'd be so kind, please go find us on your favorite podcast streaming platform. And for that matter, all podcast streaming platforms give us a follow give us the five star ratings jump in there and give us some a review actually is what we really need in a lot of those platforms that would be really really handy and if you'd also be even kinder and go find us on your favorite social media platforms at the flock pod you can find me at coach justin d on all those same chat on those same platforms shane for press use only baby grand records Tell them you, where you are. You can find me at bartender Shane Six on the Twitter and at Waka Flocka Shane Six on the Instagram. And coming in to join us today, coming in, I think he's flying somewhere from Florida, maybe coming in from Florida, hot off the recruiting trail. Our guy, Zach Neal. Zach, how you doing, sir? Wow. I liked the fact that you think I was actually outside and maybe saw the light of day today (laughs) instead of being (laughs) cooped up on my computer all day following all the recruiting news. So thank you. Uh, No, I'm I'm super happy to be here and be able to talk about uh, this incredible day it was for Duck football. Dude, big, big time day, big time day. And I, I had to throw, I was like trying to think of like where the furthest place away that you could be coming in from. Cause I know you're going to be tired, like laid in, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So it's been a rough day. I got uh, about zero work done today while I was teaching. I was just following Twitter pretty much all day. A couple of times, a couple of the kids in the classroom be like, Hey, uh, Justin, can you help me? I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> let me get off my butt and actually do my job here. So yeah. Big, big time day. I mean, we can start wherever you want. Zach, let me just throw it to you. And why don't you give us, who do you think was the, the biggest signing of the day today? So before I get into biggest signing, um, I kind of just want to say that 
this to me was such a big win for Dan Lanning. I mean, we don't have, there haven't been many opportunities for him to get like a massive win, but I wrote a, a story earlier that like, this was his most dominant day as a duck so far, because I mean, he hasn't played a game yet. He hasn't done anything, but he set out today. We had, I think three recruits that we wanted to get and we were hoping to get, and we got them all. And they're, they're not just like run of the mill, three stars. These are four star recruits that had big, big schools after them. I mean, Georgia, Florida, Miami, we can talk about, but um, just before I get into any recruits, I just want to say that like, this was really impressive. I came away from today, super impressed with Dan Lanning and what he's doing at Oregon so far. Shane, did you kind of get that same sentiment just from the day in general? Yeah. And I mean, I kind of reading the room after his press conference and people were able to kind of consume it. Uh, I feel like it was more excitement within the fan base than there ever was. I mean, we haven't, you know, kind of like Zach said, there hasn't really been anything to base anything off of until today. So now where, you know, he's can really you know, get his feet to the ground and start showing us what he's capable of doing. We've, we've heard so many times that he's this unbelievable recruiter and he'll be able to bring all these people in, but until we really see it, it's all, you know, still kind of hearsay. Um, so yeah, I mean, now that, now that things are happening and the wheels are in motion, I think that there was kind of like a general sense of calm and excitement with Dan Lanning where before it was kind of an anxious excitement. No, and I, that's kind of what I mean. We'll, we've got an interview that we'll post at the end of this podcast that we did with our guy sports chat up in Portland. And I was just really impressed that they were able to come in and put their muscle where their mouth is, put the pen where their mouth is. Cause they talked about being aggressive. They talked about going after some of these big time recruits and they followed through, you know, they were kind of late on the recruiting trail, obviously coming off a national championship helps being able to call recruits from that locker room while things are going crazy and be able to share that environment with them is going to get them excited and fired up. But I was really impressed kind of like what both you guys are saying that they were able to land the duck. You know, the duck came in and landed nice and smoothly on that pond today. Well, and one of the things that impressed me the most about kind of what you're saying right there, JD, is when we were talking to Dan Lanning earlier in the press conference, I asked him, I was like, can you just put into context, like how difficult this recruiting period has been for you? Because you've obviously, you're an experienced recruiter. You've been in a lot of these, but what was different about this one? How much how much more difficult was it for you? And he's like, yeah, we, I mean, we came in late. We knew it was going to be a challenge, but like, this was a challenge. The staff was like really excited to take on. And like, they were like, yeah, we really wanted this challenge and we feel like we succeeded. And I heard that. And I was like, I, as a duck fan, I'd love to hear that because it, <laughs> I know that this may not be true, but part of me felt like Dan Lanning's so good at recruiting that he wanted one arm tied behind his back and to show what he is still <laughs> able to do this year. I know that's not true. Obviously he wished he, he could have a full recruiting class and we'll see what that's like next year. But um, yeah, I was just, just blown away, really impressed with what they did today. It's kind of like that uh, in the start of semi-pro and they show that first game and Andre 2000's character, Coffee Black, isn't there yet. And then he just kind of like comes in like, woo, subs himself in, starts hitting threes. Reminds me of that. That's exactly what it is. I love it. <laughs> oh, man. I just I got to give you one of these because you just brought up semi-pro, one of my all-time, all-time favorite films. And That's I a... love that. When he's like, oh, there's a game going on right now? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like running out of the cafe to get there. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. It's a one of the thing. few movies that we actually agree on as being an all-time great. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We, we have some common ground when it comes to the cinema. Okay. 
jumping back into it, Zach, give me maybe not like you're the most <clears throat> impactful or, you know, the biggest recruit, but who is who's your favorite recruit that the Ducks signed today? I so the the one I'm most looking forward to watching is someone we'll talk about later. I'll leave that to you guys to bring up. But Dave Yuley, the offensive lineman that we got from out of Washington, his the impact that was made by him choosing the Ducks over Mario Cristobal in Miami is just so massive to me because seriously, like last week, over the weekend, it was considered a lock that he was going to Miami. I mean, we didn't think that we were going to get him on a visit to Eugene this weekend. He ended up coming at the last hour. And the fact that he, I mean, he was someone that was committed to us under Cristobal. I mean, Cristobal and um, that coaching staff were, uh, recruited him and got him to commit. And then he reopened his recruitment after Cristobal left and uh, decided to look elsewhere. And the fact that Dan Lanning was able to beat Cristobal kind of at his own game and get this big offensive lineman from the Northwest and um, just able to like, it's not really a flip because he was never committed to Miami, but it feels like a flip in that sense because he was, was going to be a hurricane. I mean, I think the first reports came out on Tuesday where people, a lot of recruiting predictors were changing their, their crystal balls from Miami to Oregon. And people were like, Oh, this, this might be happening. And then it actually happened. So um, I don't, I know it's an offensive lineman. You can't really watch him and, and see all of his stats and see the impact that he brings, but he's a huge player. Um, I think he's, I forget the, the exact measurements, but like, Six four three fifteen is what I want to say. I have him at and six five three fifteen. Six five oh, three fifteen off the dome, and he also might play defensive line too. He's one of those like a Jackson Powers Johnson where he can play both, and we'll see where we need him. But he's going to start on offense. But um, just looking at the list of the guys we got, I think he's the one who gives me those gives me the most passion because of what it meant for the whole program. I love well, that he, answer. What do you got, Shane? He's somebody that we were just talking about with uh, Ryan Winters over on that sports chat 503. But uh, I wouldn't really want to say this. I wasn't sure what his, uh, you know, policies were on language. But Dave, you really fucks guys up. Like you, <laughs> like Zach said, like you, you can't really see any stats or anything. But you just go on like any of these YouTube videos, man. And he plays with some fucking give a shit. And I mean, like he was really, he finishes a lot of blocks. Like you could tell there was maybe some animosity. There might be some words being exchanged down there on the offensive line when he's run blocking. I mean, he was getting the next level and just pushing bodies around getting pancakes. And even on the pass blocking a couple of times, just getting guys in between the shoulders and just taking them straight to the dirt. <clears throat> he was one of the, Offensive lineman highlight strips are a little bit hard to kind of break down on YouTube, but this one was like, oh, you know, shit. Like, he's, he definitely has a mean streak. And uh, I think that it's, he kind of plays like somebody you normally see at kind of the tackle position, just with like the way that he's getting out there and just really like putting, like really pushing guys to the next level. But to see it from that left tackle position, you see some of the running lanes that he was able to to create for these guys on the outside. And I think that can make an instant impact, especially the way that like West Coast football is, you know, very sideline to sideline. Well, and that's the thing is he's so versatile because he's recruited as an interior offensive lineman. Like I'm pretty sure they're recruiting him to play like guard. And we, like I said earlier, like he can play defense too. He can, we've seen all of his tape is at the left tackle spot, the right tackle spot. Like this guy is the prototypical duck where he can move across the offensive line and kind of fit where they need him to be. And he's huge. And like you said, malls guys. So uh, yeah, he's super exciting. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right, Shane, give me another name up there. Who you got? Who you excited to see in a duck uniform? 
I'm going to go ahead and take the low-hanging fruit here in this opportunity because uh, if I don't do it, I know Justin's going to take it on his turn. So I'm going to go with the running back, Jordan James, who was the the Georgia commit. Uh, going to watching some of his tape. I mean, he's six foot 205 is what I have his uh, listing at. And uh, in the state, the Tennessee State Championship game, Oakland High versus Summit, there's a full game highlights from that one on YouTube. And he put together a just a dominant performance in like all facets from being a multi-purpose running back. He's he's a really good route runner, which you really don't expect for his size and his build. And on top of that, he's a really good ball catcher. There's a couple of plays he makes over the middle. He's like no business catching a couple of the balls. There's one that's a little bit overthrown and he like jumps up and catches it on the back shoulder running the ball. He does it every which way. I mean, he would have been is kind of sucks to say, but he would have been perfect kind of for the way that the Oregon was calling plays the last couple of years under Cristobal. I mean, some of the one thing that I thought was kind of rare watching his highlight tape, uh, especially for, you know, these like big recruiting tapes or trying to see all these big plays and touchdowns on the outside was his ability to run up the middle and read blocks with patience in the middle. And sometimes he's guiding his offensive lineman with his offhand. And that was something that really jumped out to me just because you, you do, there also are plays sprinkled in where he's stiff arming guys on the outside and, you know, making big plays and, celebrating in the end zone i see a lot of high school tape today and guys doing like the uh karate kid like <laughs> multiple players like apparently that was very popular this last couple of years in a uh, high school football so yeah i mean with, with what oregon already has with seven and with dollars and cardwell it seems like he's gonna be able to mesh in perfectly because he can kind of do everything so if they kind of use him in some of the positions where other guys are already excelling at and kind of just make sure that he's, you know, this play around these other talents at the running back position. I think he could make an impact immediately. But again, with that running back room as, you know, talented, as much talent as there is, as much depth as there is, maybe not this year, but in the next coming years, he's going to, I mean, he's going to be awesome. I mean, he was going to go to Georgia and look at the running backs they've been producing the last few years. So it's, I mean, I, I think he's probably the, the creme de la creme of the, the recruits from, or the signees from today. Yeah, I th he was definitely one of the guys that I was going to bring up for sure. But you just give me the opportunity to jump onto the other side of the ball and talk about the guy. We want Florence. Ch -ch 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 -ch. We want Florence. Ch -ch. This was big. I mean, this is similar to, to the player you were talking about, Zach, that somebody that was committed to the Ducks beforehand during the Cristobal regime, a kid that reopened his recruiting. Oregon was always his dream school. So it, you always kind of thought that it was in the back of the mind. But at the end of the day, I really thought he was going to go to USC. I really did. And there were a lot of crystal ball predictions out there saying he was going to SC. That's where a lot of the, the momentum seemed to be going. So for him to choose the Ducks this morning, again, four-star, uh, the highest-rated uh, cornerback that was unsigned today, the number 11 cornerback in the country, a kid that has, I think, incredible ball-hawking ability. And I'm I'm really excited to see him come in here. Again, he has an opportunity. I mean, I kind of don't want to burn all of my takes from the podcast that we did with Sports Chat, but I think he could come in and compete for, for a role right away in this defense because that secondary is just a little bit thin. What do you got about him, Zach? He's, yeah, he's another one that kind of along the, line, the same lines of Yuli, he really excites me just for what he means to the program as a whole. I mean, we can get into, into who he is as a player and what he can bring for the defense, but in a, in a broader scope, I wrote the other day about like what this this win means for Dan Lanning and for for the Ducks getting Florence on the team is you look at a few years down the road these next few years 
big recruiting battles between Oregon and USC. And this was the first one and Lanning won it. And I mean, it, this is a, a Southern California kid from San Diego who, uh, I mean, by all means probably should have gone to USC, like in, in past regimes would have, wouldn't have even be a second thought. And after he decommitted from Oregon, after Mario left, uh, I thought that we would never see him again. And I just kind of thought that was that, but then we kept recruiting, kept recruiting him, kept pushing hard and ended up getting it. So um, I think that it, and I mean, we see that you hear the stories about Dan Lenning. This is the kid that he called minutes after the national championship game to show him like, Hey, this is what, what the pinnacle is. This is, this is what we can do. Come with me to Oregon. We're going to do this. And like, it kind of just showed to me that Dan really set his sights on this recruit. This is, this was their number one prospect in, in this class and they went out and got him. And so when you have a coach that can really set his eyes on something and actually follow through and do that, it's super encouraging. We all know that, you know, the, the final nail in the coffin on the recruiting path for him was Dan Lanning's bowling experience. Just getting, you know, just starting out five frames. Those the, first five frames. And Justin going viral and uh, starting the chant, <laughs> getting Jaleel Florence, getting getting the student sec, try, attempting to get the student section So I tried so hard. I tried so hard at that damn game. Nobody in my section would cheer. I started from the beginning of the game. I was like, all right, this is what we're going to do, you guys. We're gonna we're gonna chant. We want Florence at some point during the game, and I had people looking at me like I was absolutely insane. I mean, so, when you're sitting, they don't know who Florence is. That's true. Well, I was trying to explain. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, it's these big time. We got a bunch of recruits here. He's one of the biggest recruits that we have here." Da, da, da. I was trying to get everybody fired up, and as I was doing it, I I got I felt like the guy that Shane yelled at. <laughs> we're not bringing that up <laughs> that's kind of what i felt i felt like i was just i was going crazy and nobody heard me so but anyway it's it's great to see these kids come to matthew knight and experience you know what duck basketball and just what this program what this university has to offer and then after those kinds of experiences commit so you love to see that um, another kid that I'm really excited about that I brought up also is the Kawika Rogers, three-star O-lineman out of Hawaii. Um, fun story where he only got to play like one other team, basically. And so trying to re- recruit him must have been really challenging. But do you guys have anybody else, um, you know, up and down this list that you're really excited about? Maybe we'll go to Zach first. Yeah, I'm really in- intrigued by Justice Lowe, the uh, wide receiver out of Lake Oswego. Um, he was a three-star commit um, to Utah and decommitted uh, early January. And then Oregon went in and swooped him this past week. 247 Sports gave him another star in his ranking. So he's now a four-star wide receiver who also plays cornerback. Um, The upside with him is huge because he's only been playing football for three years. I mean, his mom, like, wouldn't let him play football growing up. So you talk to any coach about him, and they're like, the limit with this kid is like, you can't even see it. Like he's just, we're really just scratching the surface and every coach will say that about their team, their player, whatever. But I actually believe him because you have a four-star athlete that's only been playing for three years and it's like, Oh, okay. This, yeah, he really is still learning the game and learning so much about his abilities. So um, I think the ducks are recruiting him as a wide receiver, which is why he chose us over Utah because they were primarily recruiting him as a defensive back. Um, but he's one of those guys like a, like a Brian Addison, where if we need him to go DB, we can get him to go DB and we might get Brian Addison back on the offense this year. So, um, it's pretty intriguing. 
there's a there's a story about this kid that's playing in the Super Bowl, and this one coach wanted him to come to his university and play DB. He decided to go yeah. somewhere else and play wide receiver. I don't know. Are you, are you <laughs> saying we may have Jamar Chase 2.0 coming to the University of Oregon, Zach? I, I would not go on record as saying that, <laughs> but I like where your head's at. I love um, I love the story like that, though, Zach, because it sounds like, you know, like the national TV broadcast when he has, has like, you know, eight catches and a touchdown. You're like, and, you know, you know, did you guys know that he didn't actually start playing football? So he's about 16 years old. Yeah. It know, sounds like a happen. Chris Collinsworth story. Exactly. I love exactly. <laughs> All right. So, Zach, tell me about the other kid out of Portland, the safety, uh, Trey Jean. Trey Jean Williams. Williams. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about Trey Jean. He's been kind of verbally committed to the ducks for a long time and part of he was part of that mario recruiting class and he's kind of a cool story because i mean to me he just um he represents someone that weathered the course with the ducks and kind of didn't get didn't get cold feet when the coaching change happened and didn't go look elsewhere he just kind of like all right let me i'll hear you out i'll i'll hear what you guys gotta say like recruit me again but i'm still listening and the, uh, the Ducks landed him and they got a, a nice four-star safety uh, right in this 22 class. And um, I think one of the the bigger things I'm impressed with is just how much depth they got in the secondary during this class. I mean, I think we got four or five total defensive backs or cornerbacks or safeties like that combination in this class. And like we said, we look at the roster and that's a thin spot right now. I mean, depth wise, that's, it's tough. We lost some, some key players there this year. So um, they're kind of brought in the reinforcements and I don't know how soon any of these guys will play, but you know, they're there if we need them. Nothing well, makes for an exciting Saturday, like a young secondary. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I don't think these kids will be pushed into a position where they're going to have to be starting like day one, but they're going to be used in depth. You know what I mean? I think that's something that needs to happen and something that we've seen over the last couple of years is guys like, uh, you know, Michael Wright coming in and even playing some, some serious snaps as a freshman in that more of that nickel DB role and things like that. So um, let's, let's go a different way here. Who's, who's the, who's the duck that got away during this process for you? I mean, obviously we're talking about signing day. Obviously we're talking about, <clears throat> you know, freshmen coming in, but let's, let's open this up. Let the transfers to, to anybody that left this duck program or didn't come to this duck program, who's the one that you're maybe not most like sad about, but <laughs> impactful, but who's, who's the guy that you want to talk about, I guess. So let's go to Shane first. Who's the, who's the guy that got away the duck that got away that you want to talk about. The one that really bummed me out. We were texting about this earlier was cross Patton. Uh, oh, I was yeah. really a big fan of having <laughs> Big Boy in town occasionally. <laughs> uh, the fact that Big Boy and Andre 3000, the first time they were photographed together in like forever was at Otson, still just makes my soul warm. So uh, <laughs> I am I am happy for him, though. I don't I don't think he was really going to get the opportunity to play too much here to see him go to Nevada. Uh, it's it's I'm, I'm i'm happy for him I, I hope that he gets more of a more of a chance because i mean he, dude's electric i mean yeah we talked about him in like episode like 30 of this podcast mm -hmm. uh about when we broke down some of the recruits from a few years ago and he was one of my favorites uh i was most kind of i mean justin you'll probably say this who was the guy what was the guy who's supposed to be bo jackson Oh, my guy, Andrew, Andrew Paul. Paul. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Andrew that's, Paul. that's the one that I was, I know Justin was really excited about. So, mm -hmm. I mean, 
But uh, so that kind of hurt. I was excited just about Zach just got us way too excited. I don't know why. He <laughs> well, it up. Yeah, I would. I would like to issue an apology again to Justin. <laughs> my heart so jumped I knew, out of my chest this morning. <laughs> I knew on the schedule today around, I think it was like 1130. Andrew Paul was supposed to make his announcement. And if you don't know who Andrew Paul is, he's this guy's the fastest rising recruit in the nation. People are comparing him to like the next Bo Jackson, whatever. Um, he was supposed to visit Eugene last weekend and then called off the visit to go to Georgia instead. And he was making his announcement today at 1130 and right at like 1135, no announcement. Dan Lanning tweets out his like duck emoji dot, dot, dot. And I texted JD. I was just like, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You're saying there's a chance. And of course it ended up being nothing. He committed to Georgia. No, wait, yeah, he did commit to Georgia. Yeah, I was thinking yeah, Georgia yeah. Clemson. Yeah, I mean, Georgia. that's kind of a trade. I mean, we basically yeah. traded Jordan James for Andrew Paul. I'm not saying that Andrew Paul was going to come to Oregon if Jordan James didn't per se, but that was that's kind of the way it worked out. Would have been more that's, likely. Yeah, that's the thing. I saw a couple people on Twitter, which take that for what it's worth, but a couple of Duck fans being like, oh, I so much would, rather would have had Andrew Paul than Jordan James. And it's like... Okay, but forget that Andrew Paul was ever even option because uh-huh. he wasn't really. He didn't ever visit <laughs> us. We started recruiting him like three weeks ago. Yeah, and it's like I I think that was a pipe dream. So, um, I kind of bought in a little bit too much. I I watched the tape and got sucked in, but uh, thrilled to have Jordan James. So, yeah, I got very very excited about Mr. Paul, but I'm equally. I mean, I'm not as equally excited about James, but his tape looks solid. I mean, like Shane was talking about breaking him down, and he has the potential to come in and replace the guy that I'm going to talk about. I'll take the low hung hanging fruit on this one. It's going to be really hard to see Travis die in red and gold. That's going to be really really hard for me. I'm happy for him. I want him to go, you know, be the best he can be, get the bag, get to that next level and play in the NFL after a year down there. But just don't do it against us, I guess is all I'm trying to say. I will be a Travis Dye fan every day of the year except for the day that they play the Ducks because that's going to be difficult to watch. I mean, that one's just so weird, though, because it's like he had a full Oregon career. You know what I mean? It's like this is like his like graduate year somewhere else. Well, luckily, we don't play them on the regular season schedule this right. year. On either. the regular so, season I mean, we, schedule, there's a chance we could see them. Yes, but well, they we're gonna see them in the Pac-12 championship game if we make it there. Let's be honest. Let's be burp, 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 let's prediction. be honest. Let's be real. Come on, they, they just signed Caleb Williams. Have you seen their offensive and defensive lines? Uh, have you seen Caleb Williams at Oklahoma yeah. last year with no offensive line? <laughs> have you seen? Have you seen Utah? No, I, I, you know how high am I am on Utah. And we talked a little bit this in the last, again, referencing the pod that'll be after this one. But uh, I was really, really high on Utah coming into the season. They dropped a couple of games early on. I dropped my expectations and then they completely overachieved. And just, it well, was like mean, uh, they the like dumb and dumber seasons. thing. You go and completely redeem yourself. <laughs> um, I mean, they like, yeah, it's going to be with the quarterback moving. True, everything. true. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be Utah and USC, I think, in the South next year. Do we think anybody's going to be able to rise up and challenge those two? No. I don't think so. I, I think USC is obviously going to be good. Don't take what I'm saying as saying they're, they're going to be the bottom of the Pac-12 South. But I've seen – I mean, we've all seen people on social media, like, crowning them as one of the four playoff teams next year. And it's like, okay, I think we should wait a little bit because, yes, they're really good and talented offensively, but – they still have a lot of holes on that on that roster. So I think two years from now, yeah, yeah 
They'll be great. <laughs> did you guys see the Heisman top three odds that came out today? Caleb Williams, Bryce Young, and what's his face? CJ Stroud, right? So Thompson. Bryce Thompson is two to one. CJ Stroud is four to one. Caleb Williams is eight to one. And Ty Thompson's what, like five to two? <laughs> <laughs> like, come on now, baby. Like, let's go. I don't think they have odds for people who aren't starting on the depth chart. So. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> this is going to be so good for the podcast for the next six months. Just this Ty Thompson versus Bo Nix debate. I need to just get a, I need to just make a Ty Thompson jersey. Like, just get a t shirt and just write Thompson on the back and put his number. <laughs> just like, that's the only way you're going to get one. <laughs> pay him a ton of money for one of his game worn jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> happy again happy birthday to my abducted son ty thompson today is his birthday ty if you're listening and i know you are i would love one of your jerseys to be able to represent your honor here on the the flock pod and you know i will go to bat i've been a fan of yours since you were at mesquite this kid and i zach i, I went i went a little little crazy on the last pod and you'll have to listen to that little coming up to hear my 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 prediction but yeah it's Ty Thompson season, baby. And now I'm gonna get fucking blasted for being like a Ty Thompson hater. When <laughs> like are. I've said I've said so many <laughs> glowing things about him for like the last like 340 days. But then this whole Bo Nick thing, people are like, oh, you but you you said he was gonna suck. I never said, never said gonna be a great quarterback. Can't wait to watch him succeed. Not gonna happen immediately. Shane is the Anthony Brown Homer and the yep. Ty Thompson hater. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's got his corner and he plays yep. it well. All right. Yep. So um anything else here on the let's just open up the floor. Zach, is there any other recruits that you want to get to? Any other storylines from the day that you think uh, the flockers need to hear about? Is there any other duck tent that we're missing? One thing that impressed me, I did a I mean just kind of pulling things from the article I wrote earlier that was like my major takeaways from the day, which if you haven't read that, go to duckswire.usatoday.com uh, and read that. Um, just throw plug. in your own plug in yeah. there. I love it. Plug. Plug I'm going to give you a plug. <laughs> I feel at home with you guys now. Yes. So yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, what I thought was really cool is to see how well not only Dan Lanning, but this Oregon staff recruited offensive players. I mean, Dan Lanning is a defensive coach. He's got a great defensive staff of coaches, and we knew that they were going to bring highly talented defensive players. But they went out and they got one of the best running backs in the nation, one of the better offensive linemen in the nation, some wide receiver help too. And it's like, yeah, if they can – and I know that's a lot of Kenny Dillingham and Adrian, Adrian Clem and other coaches getting these players here as recruits, but um, if they can spread this – this talent across the ball and across the board. It's like, yeah, the ducks are going to be some to mess with in the talent department. So um, that's something that really stuck out to me today. Well, and Dillingham wants the smoke. I mean, we've talked a little bit yes, about it, does. but him, him coming out and saying, was it him that had the quote about 80 snaps a game or was that Lanning yes. that had that quote? Okay. Nope. Cause that was him. I think that's one of the reasons that we got as many offensive recruits as we did, because those kids see opportunities like shooters want to shoot. And so when they see the opportunity to get out there and get the ball and be put in space, they're going to take advantage of it. So I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what Dillingham and all these other coaches kind of come out of the lab with, you know, talking about a pro style offense, trying to get 80 snaps a game. That's going to be fun to watch. 
Well, especially when you have a defensive coordinator as a head coach that you kind of think that like the the assumption is that it's going to be very slowed down. So I think it's good to get out there and say these things, be like, you know, we're going to sling it around. We're going to move the ball and we're going to you know, we're going to put up some numbers and it's not going to be because I mean, like, I mean, Lanning had a defensive tackle who was like flirting with being a Heisman candidate. So, I mean, that helps the recruiting <laughs> trail. And then now you want to go and you want to flip it on the offensive side and be like, hey, we're going to go score some points. Who wants to score a touchdown? Yep, 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 yep. What do you got, Zach? This isn't what I was planning to say, but, J.D., you'll like this. Dino Filia just started following me on Twitter. Love it. Yes. (laughs) Hey, go eat. uh, What's a Dino's food cart called? I got to remember. but Isn't it Dino's barbecue or something? Something Dino's cookout, something like that. But, yeah, look that up. Yeah, Filia, he can just. I just saw it for a second. I was like, oh, J.D. would love that. Yeah, Um, and Dino. I just want to say that just because National Signing Day is over does not mean this recruiting cycle is over either. Um, one guy, there's two guys to mention. Arliss Boardingham is like a four-star athlete slash tight end deciding between Oregon and Florida in the next couple of days. Um, to be honest, I don't think Oregon's going to get him because I don't really think Oregon has room for him. Uh, they're pretty restricted when it comes to scholarships, but that's something to keep an eye on. But The main guy is five-star offensive tackle Josh Connerly um, from Washington. He's the number one rated unsigned lineman in the nation right now. He's making his decision in March. He's still got a couple of official visits to take, one to Oregon, I think the other one to USC or Michigan. But he named his top six like a week ago, and the Ducks were like firmly in it, and he's said to be very high on Dan Lanning and Adrian Klim in Oregon. So, um the Ducks rose to number 25 in the recruiting rankings today after this haul. And if they get him, it's like, it's a legit like top 15 program. So um, yeah, just because this day is over and these fireworks are over, that does not mean this class is, is finished being built yet. Well, like, like you just said, I mean, they jumped to 25 from like in the forties. The right. And yep. it was with just a few dudes. I mean, you look at as compared to like that Texas A&M class, which is like the best class ever or whatever, <laughs> but I mean, ever. swarm of people. But like you said, I mean, we don't really have a lot of scholarships to offer with how young this team has been the last couple of years. So to see Landon come in and get, you know, blue chippers to just fill those spots and really get everybody excited and then to move that far with like, I mean, we're really only talking about like a handful of guys that signed today. Mm-hmm. Texas A&M is the man city of college football. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about the that, that. Well, it's just, you know, that that oil money, baby, comes in. And all of a sudden, all these, uh, these kids start signing. So, Texas uh, no. T, baby. Good, good, yeah, good for Texas T. But also, just to add on top of that, Marshall Malco, who was like the director of player personnel and the chief of staff at Texas A&M that helped build that number one recruiting class is now the chief of staff at Oregon and is helping build our recruiting classes going forward. So just a little something that I'm personally excited about going forward. Just a little sprinkle. Just a little sprinkle. Just a little sprinkle. (laughs) All right. So if that's all the recruiting news, let's get to what the people are here for. Let's America's favorite segment, three questions. We know this is why you're here, people. Um, Who wants to go first today? Anybody want to go first? I'll go first. Shane wants to go first. Let's go Shane, Zach, and then I'll bring up the old rear on the uh, caboose. All right, Potter, what do you got? All right. So we just... uh... Uh, the championship round the NFL finished last week with my, my Rams making it the Super Bowl. Pretty excited. 
Uh, my first question is going to be, what is your favorite round of the NFL playoffs? Because, I mean, we have wild card weekends, like two full days. You got the divisional round, two days, somewhat full, you know, usually a little bit better games. And then we got the championship round, least amount of football played. But, I mean, like we saw this last Sunday. The best teams. The best teams left. And, I mean, the most is on the line, the most fireworks. And this Sunday was – or this last Sunday was exceptionally good. I think I would go divisional round just because you have – it's like – that's like the second – it's like the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Like, you have a lot of games. You got some buzzer beaters. You may have a blowout or two kind of mixed in there, but it's still going to be fun to watch because some of your favorite players will go off. I, I think, yeah, I like the divisional round because the championship weekend is great, but that's like the final four. Like, if you don't have a team necessarily that you're rooting for, it's good football. It's fun to watch. I wish they would spread it out and go Saturday and then Sunday, and then I think I would absolutely love it. But I, I think I would go divisional round. Yeah, I agree completely. It's I think it's the divisional round for me, and that may be recency bias because this last year's divisional round was incredible. So good. But I mean, the wild card round is fun, but there's people always forget there's like always at least one or two just blowouts where it's like, all right, this game's over at halftime. What again? What am I gonna do for the next hour or two until the next game's on? So, yeah, I think for me, the best football and the most bang for your buck comes in the divisional round. And by the way, congratulations, Shane. Your your LA Rams made it. My guy Cooper Cup is gonna go win you guys a Super Bowl. So congratulations. Hey, <laughs> knock on wood. Don't do that. Shane, I am a, a big Rams fan now because I bet them to win the Super Bowl at like plus nine hundred after the Von Miller trade. So I'm I'm feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> I came super close. I had uh, before the season. I bet Rams Bills Super Bowl at forty to one. Oh. So that fucking Tyreek Hill. If I didn't hate Tyreek Hill before for being a shitbag, boy, do I hate him now. Do now. Yeah, <laughs> take that, Josh. Um. So this over the last two rounds, I had to work, and uh, I had pretty big like meltdowns to you know met with you know big. Uh, fits of joy with how those games were going when Brady scored that touchdown. Some people were like, you know, a little bit like, whoa, chill. But so I also (laughs) was uh, accused of being superstitious, which I didn't feel like I am, but I did wear the same clothes. I washed them two weeks in a row to work. Um, So it isn't like, you know, I didn't broke one of the cardinal souls of superstition, which is why I don't think I am superstitious. Brings me to this question. Do you guys consider yourself superstitious or even a little stitious when it comes to watching sports. Yeah. In the great words of Michael Scott, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. <laughs> like if I've noticed like a pattern works for something or it stops working when I stop doing it, I will definitely go back to doing it how uh-huh. it was when it was working. But I don't know if that's superstitious. I think I'm more ritualistic than superstitious. Okay. I, I, I don't necessarily think that just because I wear like a specific jersey or like a pair of shoes or something that the team's going to win. But well, especially when I'm coaching, I have a very particular ritual that I have to go through to get my mind right in order to coach. And if I don't get that ritual in, it's it's a it's it's a challenge. You can still get there, but it's a challenge. So, yeah, I'd say I mean, it's kind of like a, a, a fine line there. So, yeah, I guess and same thing. I'm, I'm a little stitious 
more ritualistic. Would do you guys? So if you're like <laughs> sitting in a spot and everything's going well, and then you move, and things start going not so well, do you move back to the first spot that you were in? Where am I going to go? I got I got nowhere to go in the condo. That's you the get like thing. a different a different seat on the couch. <laughs> so I'm, I, I'm more like clothing wise. Like if, if uh -huh. the team's doing terribly, I will change my shirt or like okay, change yeah, the jersey yeah. or something like that. So if I do move spots, I won't usually move back, but I will spend the rest of the time that it's going bad being like, this is your fault. <laughs> I think that's that's what happened in the last in the Ducks Utah game. But it was on the road and I wasn't there. I was. I moved in the second half and that whole time I was like, it's like, it's, it's happening because you did this, but yeah, I just yeah. kind of sat in it. It's so. like, uh, have you seen the episode of it's always sunny when Charlie gets stuck in the bear trap during the Super Bowl? Yes. And then they're like, sorry, Charlie, you got to go back to the trap. <laughs> you gotta go right, back. Uh, <laughs> he's like, same ankle. Yeah. Same ankle. Um, <laughs> so my last question here, you have to win a board game against random strangers for $1 million. Now it's the the amount of people you're playing against is based purely on game chosen. Obviously, which board game would you feel the most confident oh, taking home God. that money? Oh, Monopoly, baby! Bring really? it really. I have lost a Monopoly once in my entire what? life. <laughs> once. Wow. Bring it on, anybody! All Monopoly, all comers. Bring it on. And I'm terrible with money in real life. That's what's hilarious. Okay. Board Monopoly, games. huh? Yep. Monopoly. I would probably, well, no, Zach, you got, you got to. I think I would say sorry. Remember that game? Right. Sorry. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I love that game. That's, I don't know that. I mean, I don't know that I'd win, but that's one of my favorite board games. <laughs> and I don't know how much strategy there is to sorry. I respect it. I but, respect yeah. it. Well, there is something to be said for like, you know, just wanting to be a pure gamble. Cause like when I was thinking about sure. it, like my, my first answer would be battleship. I feel like, you know, I have yeah. enough control over that, but it's also still kind of random. I know. Yeah. I feel like I have some sort of strategy, <laughs> but also like just going like fucking shoots and ladders. Like, let's go. Like, yep. <laughs> let's, take, all the table. let's take ability out of this and let's just roll the dice and see who wins. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's either break even or win a million. Yeah. <laughs> I, love I love it. I love it. Game of life would also be a good one. Yeah, that'd be yeah. another good one for sure. All right. Thank you, Shane, for your three questions. As always, brilliant submissions. My guy, Zach, you're up next. All right. For this special occasion, I did a couple of recruiting centric ones. So uh, let's stay in that realm. Um, if you had to take Oregon off of the board, where would you like to play college football if you were actually a skilled high school athlete? Oh, you said football specifically, so that that definitely I did changes. Say football I gotta think about it a little bit. Do you have an answer, quick, Shane? Oh man, I don't. I don't have a quick answer. Um, man, that's a great question, though. Um, up until this year, Miami would have been up there for me, uh, just because of everything that the, the history of that program, and I think Miami would be a decent place to live. I've got two. I've got two. I would either go. So and these are the, actually when I applied to go to college, these are the other tools, two schools, two of the three that I applied to San Diego State. Ooh, that's mm. a good answer. It's an I mean, you're living in San Diego. Yeah, Hard to beat that. Be? And they're like an up and coming. I still get to live on the West Coast. Like it's going to be fun. If I'm good, then I'm probably going to be like an all star down there for them. 
And then the other one kind of off the board a little bit, but I've just, I've always loved this school, North Carolina. I'd love to go mm -hmm. play where the, where the Carolina blue don't really want to play for Mac Brown. So that kind of complicates yeah. matters just a little bit, but a little bit. I think those are, those are probably my two other schools that I would want to play. At. I think for me, it would be LSU. I think when LSU, when LSU is cool, there's nothing cooler. The like night and Joe Burrow smoking a cigar after the championship. Like yeah. that's the peak of coolness to me. Or like <laughs> Odell and just Jamar Chase. Like they're just they're so cool. JD, what was your other answer? You if it was not football specific? Oh, I'd probably be basketball for North Carolina. For North so Carolina. So it'd probably still be the same school, mm -hmm. but just a different sport. Yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. if it was like basketball, I think like Georgetown would be cool. One of those like Georgetown East Coast cool. schools, like St. John's, that have like a deep yeah. basketball Ooh, history. Syracuse. Yeah. Syracuse, even like a St. Bonaventure or something, or oh, like a yeah. Dayton. Um, like I, I know a few people who are from Dayton and like just hearing the stories about their basketball program, how they sold out every game for like 15 years straight or something stupid. Yeah. They get all these good players. That they have no business getting. Um, <laughs> yeah. But football is kind of tough. Florida might be up there for me. Yeah. Uh, just as far as like, you know, players that have gone through there, but then I keep going like the play, the schools with like the rich football history. I wouldn't want to live in that state. So <laughs> like, I just, I couldn't really see myself in Louisiana. Like, I don't know, but I've heard yeah. good things about Baton Rouge though. I've heard Baton Rouge is fun. Mm -hmm. yeah, I could see that. All right, next question. This is a simple one. What is your opinion on the pump fake recruitment, a.k.a. the players who put on a different hat and then look at it, throw it away, put on a different hat? Like, I saw that a million times today. Just curious your opinions before I give mine. It's just TikTok ruining another thing in, like, society. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just Thank kids you. being kids. I think I'm all for them having a little fun with it. I'd like to see kids get a little more creative. I liked the the Jackson State when he did that. Like, he yes, had the shirt on, cool. like, and pulled mm -hmm. that open. Yeah. So I, you got to put your own spin on it. Don't do the same thing everybody else has been doing. But, you know, they're kids. Let them have fun with it. A Did couple guys, times, go ahead, Shane. A couple times when it kind of went poorly, it was like, oh, what a cringe moment. Like, you're like everybody you know is watching you on like ig live or whatever and like you go to like get the surprise hat and it's not in the spot where you thought it was supposed to be and it's like or having your dad blow it before you even oh do that the was hilarious Julio Tucker, that was hilarious <laughs> did you guys see the story today about the three-star offensive lineman who committed to miami but he did a pump fake with oregon he like took an oregon hat or like an oregon picture and like put it down and then after the commitment I think it was Andrew Nemec with the Oregonian, like looked it up. He's like, Oregon never offered you or recruited you. Like you weren't like, I don't know why you're passing on Oregon because they never recruited you. Uh, no, <laughs> I didn't like, hear that see story. That's like, what that's are nice. we doing? Yeah, I don't know. It seems like dirty and just like a weird shade throw for like no reason too. Well, like, it's that's... just like trying to up your own status and be like, oh, Oregon wanted me, but huh, I don't want mm -hmm. them. It's like, well, they never offered you. So. Yeah, that's, I don't know. I, yeah, that's like, interesting. The, the first time I saw one of those, I was kind of like, oh, that's cool, but it's about to be like imitated. It's like the turnover chain. You know what I mean? Yep. It was cool yep. and then it became like really whack. And now it's just like now it's everywhere. And it's, yep. so yeah, I'm, I, I'd say I'm pretty adamantly against it. Yeah, that's my feeling too. I don't want to come off as like the, the crotchety old man, but I'm, I'm over it. Like mm -hmm. it was fun for a little bit. I see JD's turnover chain. He's got, I just got a turnover. <laughs> I just got a pick, you know? So I thought yeah, I'd just put it on over go. here and wear it for the rest of the podcast. 
Yeah, I'm good with it. I, I don't need it. <laughs> Just tell me where you're going. <laughs> yeah. Well, plus you too. You're like, come on. Like... Yeah, it's like, oh, oh, we're, oh, that's not where you're going. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, last question. This is not recruiting related, but I think something that JD and I have talked about before. What is the, if you could be a guest on any podcast, what is your dream podcast to be on? Uh, it's changed for me. I, yeah. I, like a few years ago, I would have said Jalen Jacoby. That was my favorite like show. That's what I really got me into podcasts in general. And uh, when they still had like even their late night TV slot, it was still really good. But once they got moved into the prime time, it got all Disney fied. Mm-hmm. I've got two. I think I've got two and they're both, uh, they're both ringer pods. So even just oh, like getting into the whole like, like ringer network, I love the real ones pod with oh. uh, Raja Bell and Logan Murdoch. Mm-hmm. So I think if mm-hmm. I was going to talk some hoops, I think that'd be a really fun one. Oh, no, I have another one that I just thought of. So let me give you my two ringer ones. <laughs> a third one. Yep. I got a third one. And then the other one, I the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast, those guys just oh, have so, so much fun. And it's such a mm-hmm. good, high-quality podcast. Yeah. And that's I when I feel that. like I could really bring something to also because of my just uh, absolute addiction to fantasy football. But if I'm just going to go like talk and bullshit sports, it's got to be Greenlight. It's got to be the Greenlight Podcast with my guy one. Long. Yep. Yeah, that's a good one. My favorite non-sports podcast to listen to is Drink Champs. You ever catch that one? Huh. It's hosted by uh, Nori uh, from Capone and Noriega. Uh, and it's a very, it's a, you know, a drinking and hip hop related podcast. So that one always seems like it's the one that Kanye West did that long interview for not too long ago and got in a bunch of trouble for saying uh, bad things about Big Sean. <laughs> uh, Shocker. Right. Sports <laughs> podcast. I mean, I like my, the one I listen to the most, I know he's a bit problematic is Bill Simmons. I knew it was coming. Yeah. I love it. it. I understand podcast. His, yeah, I understand some of like I, I understand people's issues yeah. with him. I get it. It's fine. It's still um, a good podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But that's I mean, that's, that's like my go. The, the 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 pod father. Yeah. Yeah. I think I like my him. answer. Have you guys ever heard of all fantasy everything? Yeah, I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah. That is my absolute favorite podcast. I mean, I I know I just said Bill Sims a favorite podcast, but this is it's like a comedy show hosted by a comedian originally from Portland, lives down in LA now. Um, Ian Carmel, just, like, right? Yeah, Ian Carmel. Yeah. Um, they just fantasy draft like different topics, like Tom Hanks movies or things to do on a rainy day or whatever. And it's it's just hilarious. And like you said, just another reason for people to kind of like get around and just talk bullshit for a while with a little bit of a structure. So yeah, another uh, another ringer one I really like that I'd love to be on be the rewatchables. Oh yeah, that's a good. You'd one. be good on that. You'd be good on that. Now, okay, if you're going to go there, then of course I got to throw out the ringer verse. I mean, my dream podcast <laughs> yeah. to be on would be binge mode. If that actually ever oh, came God. back, that's like my binge favorite mode, podcast. Game of Thrones was the best thing. Oh, in the world. oh man. If you threw me in between Jason Concepcion and Mallory Rubin, I think I would just like yeah. spasm just die. Just <laughs> die of happiness. That's All right, gentlemen, one. we have reached the time for my three questions. I've got one duck one for you and then two random. So we'll go with duck first. What duck? athletic alum would you most want to just get lunch with and just kick it for a minute i love it when you guys get quiet when i ask a question that means i asked a good question what dunk saw to sobbly yes oh you guys are talking uh or 
probably Marcus Mariota seems like a fun hang. He just okay. seems like he'd be really easy to like. He seems like he'd be a good guy to just like get a beer with. You know, what yep. I mean? Love easy, it. easy hang. Yeah. So can I make a note on my answer that I would want to get a beer with him while they were still in school and not where they are now? Okay, I'll, I'll roll oh, with man. it. I'll roll I love with where it. this is going. Head cannon. My okay, rolling with the head cannon. Cliff Harris. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I changed my answer. That's my answer too. <laughs> in college, that would have been the most fun beer or whatever. Fun. Yep. But now I don't know that he's doing so well. So I've got two answers. You guys are shocked. Um, Haloti Nada. I would <laughs> love well. to get a beer with Haloti Nada and just kick just it. And then, town. of course. I have to say the mother of ducklings. Yeah. I would love to just get a beer and just kick it. She probably wouldn't drink a beer. She'd have yeah, see, like I don't, cranberry I don't know juice fun she or something be, like that. But I, I just, Sabrina, just talking but... basketball with her though. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That would be so awesome. Okay. Second question. This one's a little bit longer. Stay with me. <laughs> you take the red pill. You're 13 years old with all of your current knowledge. You're not allowed to gamble, but you get to just like start life over with all of your current knowledge at 13 years old, but you're never allowed to gamble. Or you take the blue pill. You have $10 million liquid in the bank, but you have to work a nine to five for three years before you can touch it or use any of it. Which choice do you make? What's the nine to five? With just just a just a nine to five grind it out on your ass kind of job. Uh, so just your current job, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you think I work nine to five, and it's just off that, you have no idea what I do. <laughs> so um, for context, for me, I think I'm taking the red pill. That's the childhood one. Yeah, I think I'm going back to 13 with all of my knowledge right now because I don't. Man, I don't, I'm 37. I don't want to sit in a nine to five for three more years and grind out on my ass. I feel like if I go back to 13 with all the knowledge that I have right now and like get to restart back in, what would that be? 1997? God, you're old. Damn, fucking guys. <laughs> I, not, I should wear old. my monarchs while I do this podcast. But yeah, I think I'm going back to 13. What about you guys? I'm taking, I'm taking the red pill. I think I'm going to go red pill too. I think that I, I think if I'm third from 13 to like, you know, early twenties, I'm going to make enough moves, you know, without gambling or even without like, even if you consider like buying stock gambling, you know what I mean? Nope. It's just specifically gambling. That was for you. I wanted to take okay. away gambling. <laughs> no, then yeah. I, I, I think I can accumulate over $10 million by the time I'm 21. Yep. You know what I mean? And then fuck working ever. And then I'm just like, I'm just like buying an I like an island. But somewhere. then you do have to be 13 again, too, right? That's true. I didn't have to. Work. I mean, I don't know. Like, it wasn't that bad, like, especially with I don't know now. Game <laughs> That's over, true. dude. That's like, true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be like sitting in the front row in every class ever, just like soaking up all the information. I'm also mm. going to have tons of pop culture references. Like, I'm going to I'm going to know That's what's true. cool as it's happening. I'm going to be such That's a trendsetter. I'd be like, hey, you guys ever That's heard about Insync, dude? This is like, it's they're pretty good. <laughs> the the lead guy with the curly hair, Justin, he might be a star. Mark he may word. turn Let into me something. You, <laughs> let me show you Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> <laughs> you guys heard of this thing called Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, honestly. 
I don't know. I'm kind of leaning towards the blue pill, but based on what the actual nine to five job is like a tough one. Yeah. If it was just like some like desk job where like, it's not hard. It's not like manual labor. You just kind of like pushing numbers for nine to five for three years. And you knew the whole time that that $10 million payday was so coming fair. at the end of it. <laughs> I don't know. That doesn't sound too hard, but like, what if it's yeah, like you're really... working like a, like an Amazon warehouse. See, that's tough. Or like a dishwasher or like somewhere in a restaurant, like that would be tough, but. United States kind of Postal Service. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Then I'm taking the red pill. <laughs> All right. Third question. What pop culture villain do you most agree with? Thanos. <laughs> I don't even understand why that was a movie. Like, I was like, the whole time, like, why are they stopping him? <laughs> Let him do his thing. He told you he sees the future and this is the move. Oh, man. Oh, That's man. Answer. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. What do you got, Zach? You know I'm not the right person to answer this I question. know. I know. That's why. I mean, I mean you've, also, got some, like, you've got some other ones you could go with. There's some good like, answers there. Batman is technically kind of considered like an anti-hero. Kind I mean, of a villain. In, in yeah. like the, the public perception is that he's kind of a villain, like the way that the, the media are we doing like comic book villains or just I just like... said pop culture, anything. Pop so if you've got like yeah, anything. You give your answer. Let me let me think about this. Okay, for so my I'm going with Darth Vader, and here's why. If I'm part of the Jedi Council and Natalie Portman comes up to me and wants to be my wife. I'm telling the Jedi council to go fuck themselves. You're not stopping me <laughs> from marrying Padme and this whole like attachment thing. Like if the Jedi council just would have been cool with him being with Padme, everything would have been fine. Anakin never would have even turned into Darth Vader. You know what I'm yeah, saying? The, the, the politics of star Wars, right? I know. Seriously. <laughs> Jeez. Freaking Ooh. Jedi council. Oh, I changed my answer. Uh, I don't know if this might go over some heads, but it would definitely be MF Doom, uh, who was in my my little title there song go. there. Oh, okay. The okay. hip-hop supervillain. Yep. Oh, all right. I like it. I like all it. Right. I have my answer, and I think that only Shane's going to get it out of us three. <laughs> my answer is Kendall Roy from Succession. Oh, you're a Kendall guy, huh? So, all right, I'm a villain. Wait, 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 wait. Stop, stop, stop. I haven't finished it yet. I have, uh, okay. I have like half of season three left. Okay. Um, yeah, no spoilers. I, so I've gone through roller coasters of like being with Kendall, but then like when he like snaps on people and he goes into like douchebag mode, I'm like, God, dude, I hate all of these dude, people. He's just a hurt soul that is appeared appears as a villain and well, he and just you wants see, to be loved. I mean, right away he's just like he's emotionally abused by his father. I mean, oh like you're God. like two yeah. episodes in and he's taking him on just like this roller coaster of emotions with like what the rest of his life's gonna be. So you kind yeah. of feel for him, and then he like. He doesn't like kill somebody, but he like definitely doesn't handle somebody dying in a car accident the right way. And you're kind of like, oh, this guy's kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> so, <Spoilers>. yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, fuck, dude, if you haven't watched the first two seasons and I mean, yeah. I don't know to we're, we're past like the statue of limitations on spoilers yeah. for that. Here's, here's me listening to you guys about succession. <laughs> just sitting over here like so, all right i'll just sit back and listen would you say that he is the most likable character on succession then i don't know man there's not a single likable or redeeming character on that show which what is what makes it such a good show in my opinion it's like there's literally not a single like good person on mm -hmm. there like everyone has their <laughs> faults but i think that's kind of the beauty in it i mm -hmm. think my favorite character is roman 
just because he's the funniest and the biggest piece of shit and also a younger brother which i am too so i kind of like connect with him in that way so my favorite is tom yeah tom's hilarious yeah he's funny <laughs> he's also not a good person though no, no that's the thing none of them are but yeah, this yeah, is this not show a succession podcast. But, yeah. <laughs> JD did offer that we should do a succession episode at some point. We should. So I would like yes. to take him up on that. We definitely will. Uh, on the LYL project, when that gets rolling again, you guys will definitely have your opportunity to talk some more succession. Okay. So I think that is all we have for you today for y'all, you lovely flockers out there. As always, make sure to take care of your chicken. Take care of your mentals. We appreciate you. We love you. We out. Please. On your left. On your left. Uh huh. On my left. Got it. Don't say it. Don't you say it. On your left. Come on. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Chat 503 live in the interview section again. We are in the building with the Flock Pod. Shane and Justin, what up? How you doing, brother? Fantastic. Yeah, so, man, hey, thanks for having uh, us on. Yeah, of course. Jump in, yeah, Shane. Just talk about where we want to find you guys, where you guys at, how can people find your, uh, your stuff? So you can uh, go find us on all of your major podcast streaming platforms at the flock pod easy enough. And uh, if you'd be so kind, give us a subscribe over there, give us a rating, trying to beat those algorithms. And uh, yeah, same thing on all those social media platforms at the flock pod. I myself am at coach Justin D Shane. Tell them I'm, are. I'm over at bartender Shane six on the Twitter and at walk a flock of Shane six on the Instagram. Awesome. Well, let's just jump in. What are your thoughts here on a big day, Wednesday, February 2nd? I think a lot of people had this uh, circled on their calendar as a day to kind of look forward to the start of the landing era, the end of the Cristobal era, but still got a bunch of Cristobal guys on this recruit. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts just early on on this uh, signing class? Oh, I was... I'm stoked on the Jordan James flip. I mean, that's the number one thing that could jumps out to me. And just the fact that they were able to gain the traction that they did coming in kind of late on the process, you know, like this is an aggressive coaching staff. This is a staff that wants to get after it and they put their muscle where their mouths were by getting out there and flipping a couple of these guys, getting a couple of guys that, you know, we weren't necessarily sure if we were going to or not. So it's a great day to be a duck. Yeah, and I was just going to say, I mean, this was a day where Lanning really got to put his money where his mouth was. I mean, when he went and go ahead and finished out the season for Georgia, you know, being the defensive coordinator in those national championship run there, we were all kind of a little bit worried about how that was going to affect recruiting in the near future. But I think with the, the kind of limited spots that they had to try and get with, a, I mean, a lot of returning players being a very young team and a team that's poised for a title run at this time that he was able to just go and land some big names and get us the, the fan base excited all over again. Oh, absolutely. Are there names that jump out that you think are going to make impacts right out of the gate? Or are some of these guys, the guys you think you're going to uh, see in the next year or two? I think, you know, with kind of the last couple of years, we've seen this school really develop talent. And <clears throat> a lot of these guys have really been waiting and getting their time now. I mean, we can get really excited about Jordan James, but there's also a lot of other really good running backs on this roster at this time. I mean, Sean Dollars and Seven McGee are two guys we've really been waiting to see for the last couple of years. So I think this year would be a good time to really 
get those guys in and get these guys some learning experience and get a little uh, experience under their belt. Yeah. I was going to say the only place I could see maybe one of these guys contributing right away is the secondary, you know, depending upon what kind of um, information download they can handle right when they get onto campus, if they can handle the mental side of the game. I think a couple of these guys, and I'm going to throw his name out right away, Jaleel Florence. I think he's a guy that might be able to go out there and compete for maybe not a starting job, but maybe some time to be an impactful player halfway, middle half of the season. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be some gaps that are uh, going to be needed to fill. I think running back was one of those spots they were looking forward to, you know, very late ad for that running back. That was a huge flip as well from Georgia. Uh, any other names you're just excited about? Put the tape on. You're excited to see when you uh, when you see the uh, recruits. Uh, Amari on Winston was a name that really jumped off the page for me, just because of what his brother Lamar meant for this team with that in the the Herbert era there, and how he wasn't really a household name uh, in the recruiting process. It wasn't somebody that I really saw a lot of people talking about. But by the time he was done playing at Oregon, I mean every teammate he had, it seemed like every interview there was always talking about him and everything that he was able to accomplish. And with uh, Amarion's size, I mean, he's a slight of stature, kind of defensive end linebacker hybrid there playing the edge. I think he's going to become really valuable in the passing game. You've seen a lot of these defenses become more and more versatile over the last few years, and especially in the Dan Lanning um, Georgia teams there. So I think he's a player that you, we could see matched up with tight ends and make a big impact in the passing game, as well as being a dominant edge rusher, like we saw him up in Central Catholic winning that national champion or national state championship last year. Uh, I'm excited to watch that offensive lineman from uh, Hawaii, Kawika Rogers, just to see Ooh. what he's able to do once he gets onto campus, hit that weight room, get on that training table and uh, see what kind of an impact he can make. Yeah, my brother-in-law lives in Eugene, drives the limos uh, back and forth to the airport uh, when the guys come in, and he drove the Rogers family back, and he was like, dude, that's the largest family I've ever seen. And even the limo whole, sitting in on the, the limo, dude, yeah, like, he was like, these, dude, I mean, he's like, no disrespect, he's just like, bro, these people were like the largest people I've ever seen, and yet, that's also one that's kind of interesting, they said Elite Terry had the connection there uh, because he was over in uh, Kauai. He played for Kapa'a, and he was like, uh, they, they only played one other school, and they like kind mm -hmm. of rotated back and forth. What a story that is. They also said they couldn't have night games because the birds would fly into the night, uh, into the lights. <laughs> so they could they would only have day games. And he only played one other school. I mean, what are you talking about yeah. for recruiting? I and he couldn't really get out to... Uh, the uh, uh, different camps or whatnot. I had Scott Reed on while he was at the Polynesian Bowl, and he was specifically talking to him and his family because he had just got back from Oregon. He literally flew from Oregon right to the Polynesian Bowl and talking about that exact thing where this was really the first opportunity he's had to go up against some top-quality players. So it's interesting to kind of see, like, where the coaches have come from, who the coaches are recruiting, what connections they had. Having that connection with Elite Terry – back to connect back into Hawaii is pretty big. Yeah. I lived over in Hawaii for a little bit. And hey. the, uh, the, the roadblocks that Hawaiian uh, high school athletics have are so extreme compared to yeah. over here. I mean, we, we kind of complain about it a lot here, especially in Oregon, but and then, I mean, that was in perfect conditions and like with the whole COVID season and everything, I'm sure <laughs> that was just a nightmare without being able to fly or anything like that. I mean, you're stuck. There's only, I mean, where I live, there was only like three, really major high schools and it was a fairly populated island i was on the big island over there so i mean yeah so I, a lot of it was just so heavily dependent on 
camps and all-star games and stuff like that, when you eliminate that, it was, that, that's tough for those kids. That's really tough. Um, but the other offensive lineman that just signed uh, a little bit earlier today that Dave Lully, I believe is yeah. his name, uh, just got done watching some of his YouTube stuff. And that dude is physical. I don't know <laughs> if you guys caught any of that yet. I mean, talk about somebody you don't want to line up against. Yeah, I saw him and Ben Roberts both at the basketball game when everybody came in for the Oregon State game, got to shake both their hands. And I'm a big dude. I'm 6'2", 250. And I shook their hand, and they, like, wrapped their hand around mine. I'm like, I usually when I walk in the room, I'm one of the bigger guys in the room. <laughs> and dude was large. And it was just – it was impressive to see both their reactions. And I actually – yeah, Louis, I saw his kind of vibe uh, was he was just like in heaven, it felt like. And I was like, this guy's undecided, quote unquote. I think he's going here and, you know, just getting the vibes from people thinking that was what he was going to do. So it's really cool to see him do it with the straw hat as well, by the way. I thought that right. was a classic move. <laughs> yeah. So the... you were you were at that basketball game. Did you yeah. hear some knucklehead from the second row yelling, we want Florence, we want Florence? Because that, that was, was me. <laughs> that was me trying to get the chant going, trying to get a hold of the pit crew like, hey, let's get this going. Nobody in my section would join me. Uh, such a that was down. a great such game, a though. Those were great vibes, man. That yeah. was a great yeah. game. I mean, people kind of complain about you know, Matt Knight and that whole week leading up to it, there was a kind of a scuttlebutt I saw talking about Matt Cord or whatever. And I love Matt Cord. I, I, mm -hmm. I grew up going to basketball camps there. I'm from Portland, but my family, half my family's from Eugene. I was born on campus. I'm from multiple generation duck. And so I would go to Don Monson basketball camp in the eighties, you know, and Jerry green and whatever, when I was in high school and absolutely love that building, saw some of the greatest moments of my life. It felt like as a duck fan in those buildings, yep. but, uh, or in that building, but man, going over to, you know, Matt Knight, people were kind of, you know, poo pooing it for a little while. And I was kind of one of them saying, you can never really recreate what you had at the pit, right? You, you come into the mini Rose garden. I'm from Portland. It looks look, literally like the mini Rose garden. The Rose garden gets popping though. And I always mm -hmm. said, if, if, if you could get the right team in there and get the, you have to get the Eugene folk in. That's the main thing. You can't just depend on like at, at Autzen where it feels like over the last 20, 30 years, less and less and less Eugene people go. Mm -hmm. uh, it, but you, but Matt Knight, you have to have that Eugene contingency yep. and they do a good job for the women. Uh, but that was a really cool one to see at the men's game. That was people, the people were fired up. I think it's kind of interesting with the uh, remembering Matt Court. And I, I love Matt Court just yeah, like you. I've had some of my, my favorite uh, memories there as a young basketball fan. But what people forget is when you were actually there, I remember going there for some of the uh, state championship tournament games. Oh, so yeah. just being in those seats for like six, seven hours a day. My dad yeah. just let me skip school to go watch him and stuff like that. It wasn't the most comfortable place in the whole world. Like, if you want to look at like your actual comfort and game watching experience, Matthew Knight definitely beats it. I mean, re remembering for what it was is a little bit of like recency bias there. But like you said, I mean, that atmosphere that other day there, that was probably one of the better. I was watching on TV, one of the better atmospheres I've seen in Matthew Knight Arena for a men's team two, three years, something like that, which yeah, is huge. Since having the, those since guys the big there. run, right? Since the big run, I mean, yeah. they were really popping during that with the Dylan Brooks era. Yeah, but yeah sure. I mean, yeah, sure. You just got to get the right team in there. And it's hard, I think, with Dana's squad also because it's like you got to get to know a new team every year. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, there's a couple guys that come back, but, you know, they'll get it, they'll, they'll get it figured out. Plus, Dana plays that boa constrictor type defense that kind of slows games down. It might not be the 
best for like, you know, keeping excitement going. Not a lot of fast breaks and stuff. Okay. This is a great segue. So today, Kenny Dillingham <laughs> said he's going to play the pro style offense and speed it up. He wants 80 plays a game out of the pro set. That's going to uh, be a challenge, I think, to say the least. You hey, know, it's going to be exciting to watch, though. That's true. And to throw the 80 snaps out and to specifically mention how badly he wants to get the playmakers the ball and actually give them an opportunity and space to make plays, I think that's why you're seeing a guy like Jordan James flip. These guys are excited yeah. about the opportunity. That's why you're seeing guys come back. You know, we lost a couple transfers, obviously, but I think there's a good energy around the program, and I think I like – the fact that they're creating something from scratch to maximize the talent that's currently here as opposed to bringing in their own system and being like, okay, we have the puzzle, now let's put the pieces in. No, we're just going to draw a whole new picture. Why not? I mean, they had the minds to do it, and they've got a great – I mean, that 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 Joey Mack today just knocked it out of the park, man. Two hours of back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back interviews with all the coaching – staff dude killed it man so that was a great if you haven't seen that hit that you have to watch that that's a must the the, the coach were firing me up today dude i was ready to go hit the weight room <laughs> <laughs> well yeah plus when you hear when you hear something like 80 snaps a game with what we've been used to in these last few years with the cristobal era it's kind of a fresh breath of fresh air for duck fans yeah. i mean yeah. it's been I mean, it, it's a, it was a great few years. I loved it. I mean, I thought I love what he was able to do with the team. But some of those games, especially when Oregon wasn't, uh, I mean, the last two years when the offense was kind of stalling out, it was it was brutal to watch. So to get a little more excitement going and gives a little bit of that Chip Kelly flashbackness. I ish, mean, you kind of get a little bit of time. it start to bubble up. And they're and then, referencing that too, right? Mm -hmm. They're referencing that people want it to be exciting and want it to be flashy. Yeah, I mean, this that was the most this town has ever been, you know, oh, yeah. in into the Oregon football scene. I mean, there, there was a lot of things kind of came together at the right time there. But then again, looking at what, you know, with this coaching staff coming together and looking at what they have and the pieces that they already have. Like I was saying earlier, I think this team is built to win right now. I mean, we returned all these guys with, like we're getting all this experience back on the offensive end. It sucks to lose those running backs. And I mean, now the. The quarterback situation, I think, is the only thing we can really look at is like the big question mark in the room. Everything else is kind of put in place. Like the depth chart has already kind of set itself up for this point. Well, it'll be interesting to see what puzzle piece goes in there at the quarterback position. And that's going to be a fun battle. I mean, that's going to be the marquee battle, obviously, for Duck fans to watch. But you start talking about Chip Kelly, you start talking about 80 plays, you're going to have Duck Twitter just foaming at the mouth. <laughs> you know what I mean? They were already excited about that, even the potential of somehow bringing him back as a head coach. So you're just like weaponizing. What a weird week that was. <laughs> it's just nostalgia. You're just weaponizing nostalgia. I bet those Duck Twitter spaces are going crazy with the 80 plays a game. What are your thoughts on Twitter spaces? Got to give some shouts out there, man. I'm a, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Uh, I'm I'm conflicted. I, I've, jumped in, <laughs> it's all good. I've jumped in a couple and I've listened a couple times. But uh, I, I love that it gives people a platform. I mean, that's obviously what Shane and I have looked to build. That's what you've looked to build as a sure. platform to be able to get our ideas out there. And so I love right. that it's creating that open playing field for everybody. But with along with that, you get, you know, it's kind of the same thing. You know, everybody's got an opinion, right? You know, everybody's got an opinion. Do you need to share it constantly and loudly or while you're using the bathroom? I don't know. You know I don't know. <laughs> Early, dude, that first one was hilarious when his brother was on, though. That that was a time that where it felt like if you were a Duck fan, you needed to be in there at least checking that sure. out. When dude, when his brother was on talking and, and people are trying to vet his brother, like, what's your dad's name? <laughs> 
<laughs> which is his name. Like, it was the FBI in there. And that's yeah. Axel. Man. I've had him on my show. He's from the East Coast. But, dude, I'm saying, there, it was it was hyped up. Man, people were just so fired up. That week was such a weird week. And I just thought it was a cool experience. You know, I, I, I can't jump in it every time. But I do respect the guys who do. I do respect the yeah. the coaches, the parents. Not coaches, the but the, the, the media guys, you know, Crepe is in there constantly. And, uh, and, and and a lot of guys just have it on at work while they're doing their thing and they can just kind of listen in or chime in or whatever. For me, it, it, maybe it's, you know, on the in the car ride or something after a game next year. I think that would be kind of a great space to listen to. But you're right. I mean, I, I, I hear it as much, too, because I, I, when I go to games, I'm talking with people. My, my, my show called Sport Chat. So I'm like, I'm here to chat, man. So it's like I'm talking to people in the stadium. I'm talking to people on the bus ride over there. I'm, it's just like that's just the thing to do. So we've already kind of already have that naturally. And I think it just gives that platform to people who are sitting at home who don't have access to somebody sitting next to them. Yeah, I mean, I think those Twitter spaces are great. Uh, ideally, I think the the actual breakdown <laughs> of has, has a tendency to get a little toxic. Like communism. But, yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, th- that night, uh, for example. Great. I mean, right. Uh, I mean, I tuned in for probably an hour and a half, two hours. And, I mean, that was light work compared to some of those people that were on there for, I don't know, if, like, people oh, were sleeping or, you know, Red Bull, Red Bull Losing and Adderall Losing jobs. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> or but they that, just have the opportunity to. They're working at home or they're just, yeah, totally. you know, there's a totally. lot of different stuff. <laughs> yeah, I hope it was a day off. I couldn't um, be in my, my spot. Like, what are you listening to? <laughs> but, I mean, that week was so crazy. I mean, I feel like Oregon fans had their, like, heart ripped out more than, like, ever so. I mean kind of like the um oh i'm blanking on his name the florida state guy when he took off uh he who Taggart, not be named yeah <laughs> i mean we he was just here for a cup of coffee so it was kind of like when he bounced some people were like oh i can't believe it. it's like oh who cares on to the next one you know start the process all over but it seemed like cristobal was like planting serious roots here so when he bounced i feel like a lot of people felt like that they'd kind of been lied to i know some players kind of felt that way but i mean that is that's the nature of the beast and i think the the more that Oregon is in the national championship conversation, the more we're going to have these type of situations like most other schools do, unless you have that kind of anomaly, like a Saban who just, you know, is done moving or whatever and just wants to like settle down forever. But I don't really see that being the future of college football anymore either. So it's, it's tough to say, but with, with, you know, the Twitter spaces conversation, it's like all in all, I think it's it's a good thing. I love the fact that people are really fired up. I just don't necessarily have the the, the patience for it myself. It's just a little bit too elongated for me. Yeah, I do like that people are all from all over the country. I think mm-hmm. that's a cool thing. Shows the national brand. When oh, I had some sure. FOMO when you were talking about like some coaches were jumping in there, some some player parents were jumping in there. And so those are the kinds of inside stories. That's that inside baseball. That's that duck tent that we love, you know, hearing the stories straight from the parents and straight from the players mouths and things like that. But when it's just, you know, Johnny be good sitting on his couch talking about how he wants to run, you yeah, know, yeah. cover three instead of cover two in these <laughs> kinds of scenarios. That's right. when it's like, okay. I'm going to go do something else now, but this was the, it's still, it's a great community experiment. And I think Mm -hmm. that's, that's a great opportunity for Twitter to explore that even more. Well, there might be some other spaces that aren't as bad as like duck Twitter, you know, it's just already a little cannibalistic as, as it is. So, you know, there might be some more friendly school Twitter spaces going on around. Yeah. Oh no. And there's some crazier ones. I mean, I jumped into the Florida state one and it was insane. I mean, I spent, (laughs) I felt like I got my hair caught on fire. I wasn't even talking or anything. I just jumped in. It was like five minutes. I was out. I was, I was scarred Uh from it. Yeah. I can see that too. That's for sure. 
My cousin was uh, quick to remind me that Oklahoma also had some of these spaces when oh. you know Lincoln Riley left, and that was a fun experience. Ooh. That was like burning okay. down. <laughs> that one, I actually, I went to the message board. I just wanted to see what Oklahoma was talking about. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just wanted to see what they were talking about because when Lincoln Riley left, it was so kind of like ripped the Band-Aid off out of nowhere, yeah. and Oklahoma is like, you thought Tennessee was bad when freaking Lane Kiffin left. Dude, this was brutal, and th the immediately there was all these links over to different Twitter uh, and spaces or whatever, and I and I clicked onto a Twitter space through that too as well. That was insane because these Twitter spaces have been going on for a while. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, Lacavelli he was running them after games and uh, stuff like that. But dude, the the vitriol there, and they, I can't wait for a SC home and home with them because bro, they hate USC more than any team ever in the history of the planet right now they are like foaming at the mouth yeah that's that's a fan base that you don't really want to get on the wrong side of <laughs> no yeah. we know yeah. we've been on that <laughs> we've heard about dude until this Still year to this day I mean, yes yeah. dude I, oh immediately I, I i was talking with some guys from oklahoma i don't know if you guys tried to get on the oklahoma thing before the bowl game everything was just so crazy at that time yep. but i talked to some guys at the oklahoma team they're like hey uh we won that game by the way i was like bro it, it can happen, right? right. You know, oh, you, you shouldn't have let the field goal. We blocked the field goal. You shouldn't have let. There's all sorts of other things that happen. I was like, you know, come on. And he was like, bro, no, we should have won. First thing he said, I was like, come on now. No, yeah, and that's, they, that's they classic. Have, they have held on to that game for a long Hard. time. Hard. And it felt like this team was trying to get redemption for that team. <laughs> Oregon's team had any connection to that team? Yeah. Oregon's team doesn't even have a connection to Dennis Dixon's team. Mariota's team, even. Well, it's just, it's one of those things. <laughs> I always knew one way to piss my cousin off was just text him on sidekick. That's all I had oh, to say. And it would just, he would just go off on vitriol after, you know, a text message chain. So it's, it, yeah, they're, they're, uh, they take football seriously there in the panhandle state. I mean, they, uh, well, they take for it very Oregon, seriously. We're starting to do the same thing. We're starting to take yeah. football seriously too. And it's a, and it's a great, it's a great situation. Mm -hmm. and Twitter think, space is a perfect example. Who do you think is going to be the bigger rival in the next five years? Do you think it's going to be USC or do you think it's going to remain Washington? Well, oh, Washington. USC. Yeah, Washington has this little extra salt in the wound, it's right? Got the bloodthirst. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But dude, no, no. I think it's for the Pac-12. I think it's USC all day, every day. I mean, I think, I think it has been. I think every single year the national media says USC is in the top twenty-five. Then they get bounced after the first week or two. They lost lately because of the Clay Helton thing. But bro, that's a team that with just a couple tweaks here and there is right back in the thick of it and probably a top fifteen year after year after year. Yeah, Clay Helton might be one of the worst coaches oh, dude, in America. I was in L.A. when the Ducks, like, uh, with Justin Herbert, when they last beat them. And that was the year that he was on the hot seat, but he'd won enough games to kind of keep it or whatever. Bro, when he's walking out in the tunnel, people were just cussing him like crazy. I mean, all around, throwing things at him. Like, it was horrible. And, I mean, SC, of all places. You know, the, the guy says it's, it's the mecca of college football. They, they burned the last guy in effigy. <laughs> yes they did yes they did well and lincoln riley's gonna get that going i mean he's oh, gonna course. get that going and it's let's be honest let's be real here the pac-12 wants him to get it going the pac-12 wants sc and oregon to be that north south oregon versus california and pacific northwest versus socal that rivalry could really brew and like you like i mean shane and i have talked to this, about this on the podcast before washington is more of like the fan rivalry the oh, yeah. players it's sc 
oh, the players oh, because so, so much well of them are from LA. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. They get so fired up to go play in their backyard, play against guys that they played against in high school. I mean, it's I'm a, I'm really excited to see it over the next couple of years. And Coach Dillingham wants all the smoke. He retweeted oh, a yes. bunch of like Lincoln oh, yes. Riley slander. I mean, I love it. I, like, Shane knows this. I'm all petty. I'm I'm team petty. <laughs> so that was not? that was fun to watch. It was just Especially fun to sports. see. Why not? Exactly. Well, yeah. and it was also cool just to see like that kind of youthful kind of, you know, kind of, you know, Amen. Uh, just getting into like getting into the, the trash talking nature mm -hmm. of it, you know, mm -hmm. not taking it that kind of getting out of this crypt keeper type of uh, coaching style that we've kind of had over the past. Uh, well, I mean, Chip Kelly was a little he was a little quick lipped. It was weird. I mean, he was he had like no very, lips. <laughs> Chip Kelly to me was a real throwback. Chip Kelly was actually like from like the twenties and the yeah. 30s. He's like WC Fields. Get away, kid! You're bothering me. Like he was, <laughs> he was like beyond old school. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. The the so, guys who Bill Belichick learned from that's who he was emulating. <laughs> guys who like people don't even know the name of, like older than Paul Brown type stuff. Like he's way into that. Yeah, so I think like... that I think that this group is way into the new style. I mean, a perfect uh -huh. example: how many jersey combinations, shoe combination, everything else. This is the first coaching staff to actually wear the sneakers. Yep, that's yep. what I was about to I'm say. I'm a to big see... sneakerhead, bro. I got sneakers for days. That's the first time I've ever seen the Jordans on. Lanning had the pit crew threes on. Yeah, yeah. To see yep. a coach stroll out there in, in some PEs was was awesome. And I mean, to just like like that kind of thing, I think is going to help with how so much recruiting is revolved around like social media and this like kind of oh, youth yeah. movement now that uh i mean even like cristobal seemed like he was a little hands off on the, the same kind of shirt like, every day yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. he, and it was faded washed out you couldn't even certainly see the letters anymore it's like i get it he told hey, decision me decision making decision making fatigue's a real thing maybe he just wanted to grab the same shirt up. every day exactly he told me i only wear black or green and it's yeah, either no. one of the two combinations yes if, if I'm a head coach of Oregon, like I'm hiring, hiring like a stylist. You know what I mean? I'm telling, sending somebody into that room, grab you're all the like, newest stuff. You look like the NBA. Exactly. Coming to the, holding the shoes. Love exactly. It. I mean, why? Love like why a fur coat on. You, ha you don't have any excuses. <laughs> it's University of Nike. Like, come on. Oh, man. We miss. What's his? Coach Campbell. Oh, we miss yeah. Coach Dude, Campbell and just the, the suit swag. And, and Don Pelham like followed yes. in that same thing. Pelham yes, has a big did. coat. Big coats, like down to his mm -hmm. knees, almost like his trench <laughs> as the actual sport coat. Dana Altman actually had more shoe swag than Mario Cristobal did. One hundred percent. Agreed. the off whites. I mean, he, yeah. yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. No, I, and I think that that says something about the willingness to be able to interact at a different level and the tightness of that previous coaching staff that kind of represented something from like the eighties or the seventies where coaches were much more buttoned up. And uh, this is a now a group where they're willing to kind of engage, willing to retweet on social media. I mean, I think that's why a lot of people in the Twitter spaces were so hyped on Lane Kiffin because they were like, he represents this youth thing. He's the coach with the swag or whatever. Yep. And I was like, oh, I don't really want any part of that. Yeah. Gillingham, you know, Oof. situation. Yeah, he fired me up today. His his yeah. his interview with Joey Mack was awesome. I got to talk with Matt Pallage a lot at the at the basketball game, and he was super into it. Like everything I was saying, he was like, "Yes, yes, yes, yes." It was like super pumping me up. So uh, I I just love the energy of this, and I think that, that modern football it's a young man's game. Absolutely. And it's it shows a, a self-aware coaching staff also that they're not afraid. Like, yeah, we are young. 
he's younger than I am. I mean, Coach Lanning's <laughs> 35, I'm 37, but he's not afraid of it. He's looking at it in the face and he's saying, yeah, I am a younger guy, but I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to use my youth as a positive thing as opposed to, you know, people using it against me, which I guarantee other coaches are going to use that on the recruiting trail. Oh, you don't want to go play for, he's out there on Twitter. He's not in the film room. People are going to try to weaponize that against them and he's just leaning into it. I love that. Absolutely yeah. love that. And I mean, to your point, uh, our friend Zach Neal was reporting from uh, the uh, the the press conference today that yeah. uh, he was landing was using the words aggressive and attack a lot. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's that same kind of thing that Justin's talking about that where he's really leaning into that youthfulness. And he's like, we're going to go after this with the same kind of energy that we're looking for from our players. Yeah. And instead of having, you know, this kind of like gatekeepery coach come in and just kind of lord over, which we could have had very easily, especially at a school with all these resources. Somebody who comes in not only sees it as a stepping stone, but just kind of like sees it as just a, a bolster that makes them too big for their britches. And with landing, I mean, we haven't seen flashes of it yet. So, I mean, it's it, and he's a guy that this this very well might be a stepping stone job. And like, I'm OK with that because I think that stepping stone could be at a professional level. And I mean, just to, to put. And, you know, one of our coaches or coaching staff to eventually be in the pros, too. I mean, that's a, that's a good thing for overall. I mean, we, with coaches being around for five, six, seven years, that might be the norm. That's OK. I mean, I think in that run, this team can see a lot of success. And I mean, then attracting more and more up and coming coaches might be a cool thing to see in the future. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, and outside of the crystal ball era, I mean, you can technically say that really only Mike Bellotti was the only coach who didn't leave. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and uh, I mean, and, and and there's been a lot of success at Oregon lately, but Rich Brooks was a very mediocre coach most of his career. And before that, I mean, Len Casanova, the, the team carried him out of the Rose Bowl after a loss. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, the Oregon history is not the best when it comes no. to winning. So it's like, you know, you have Chip, you know, you, Rich Brooks, after one year of being successful, goes to the NFL. Chip Kelly goes to the NFL with success. Uh, Mike Bellotti is the guy who actually stays. He's the guy who turns down Notre Dame and USC to stay at Oregon. And built something really special while he was here. I mean, we can't 100%. forget that, you know, and, you know, everything and, and honoring the past coaching staff, continuing that on with a new tradition, bringing in different things. I mean, he, a lot of people want to call Rich Brooks the, the father of this program, but in so many ways, it was Bilotti that really took the reins and took us to that next step. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. the new uniforms, the new expansion on the stadium, the, the bowl games every year, but one, I mean, I mean, he's got a great situation there. And then he goes into the you know, weird situation at the end where, you know, he kind of like, you know, seals the fate by putting Chip in. Almost like his his last move of being a coach was his first move of being an AD, which is like to hire the new coach, which is a strange play. Yes, it's a strange play, but it is a mark of like a great one. And that is like probably the most graceful transition possible. If you're, if you're looking at it from like an optics perspective, there's really no other way to do it without like upsetting really anybody. It's just kind of fade right. into the until background. The, until the first game at Boise. Oh, Ew, yeah. And then things got <laughs> then it weird. Got, then it got a little ugly. And they <laughs> oh, rebuilt it. Game. They rebuilt it. Yeah. You know, we oh, went, to, yeah, went yeah. to the Rose Bowl that year. We got off to it. one of the weirdest starts possible, though. And then I'll also never, kind of formed oh a little gosh. bit of a rivalry there. I mean, for, for a second, for sure. there, I would have said Boise State would have been like the most hated other oh, school by fan base. By far. Mm -hmm. By far. And it was all because of that, that late game. hit the year before. Absolutely. Yep. 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 That was a big deal. I was watching that game at Burning Man 
on a little computer watching <laughs> the game cast <laughs> go on. Love that this. was, I'll never forget that moment. And then watching immediately the highlight come out of Blunt, just like catching that kid. I mean, oh that's- Oh my God, yeah. That was, yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a memory burned into the memory bank. For my sure. line on that one was, that's the first time that Byron Hout had been punched. That was not the first punch LeGarrette had thrown. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's a great was, point. Yeah, it's a great point. The most probably jaw to the floor I've ever been besides like Malice yeah. at the Palace, where I was just like, oh, yeah. what did I just see? And then it just mm -hmm. got like insane when they like, couldn't control it. And he like completely flipped and like, oh, my God. But for well, a, a similar kind of thing where stuff got thrown on him from the stands yes. and that's mm -hmm. what made him yeah. lose it again. Yep. So, so grateful that it didn't end so much worse. Well, when he, he was, was actually... Yeah. When he initially throws the punch, I immediately felt like guilty. I was like, did I do that with my mind? <laughs> I felt just as upset. I understood why he did it. <laughs> it's kind of a pre-social media time, but I had a little connection with him and had a conversation with him at numerous events and whatnot. And I was at the Holiday Bowl, the end of that whole kind of scenario, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, having that conversation was just a wild one, man, where I was like, wow, this is really this is really just happened. <laughs> this, whole, this whole thing. <laughs> Really just went down. It's pretty pretty amazing stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, so this year looks to be a great year. What are your thoughts on this year starting the year at Georgia? Woo. I mean, yeah. the, the storyline is already built, you know. It's like ESPN already has their their work done for them with, you know, how they're going to try and sell this game. So, oh, yeah, I mean. It's Disney. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. But, I mean, it's it, – I think it's a, it's a great benchmark game, but I hope that people don't overreact about it too much i mean both teams are going through a lot of changes it's i mean it's as pressure packed as it could possibly be for landing to face off against your former team really at any point but to have it to be the first ever game as a head coach is well a head coach at a d1 level i'm not sure if he's ever you know done it at at, at any level other but uh yeah, it's the there's going to be so much really tied to it. And I think early in this game is going to be kind of a bit of a like a boxing match. You're going to see a lot of jabs being thrown or we might see him just kind of like come out of pocket and just go right for the jugular, really try and make a mark. But I think that would be a little bit surprising coming from a defensive coordinator. So, I mean, I'm I'm excited for it, but I'm also a little worried that. Like I said, the storyline and everything attached to it makes it a little bit bigger than what it really means, right. because I think it could be a big overreaction moment, no matter how, which way it goes. Oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm not afraid of the hot take. It's going to be Ty Thompson's coming out party. It's going to be oh boy. Ty Thompson show time in Atlanta. I'm going to put up. 250 in the air i'm gonna put up 75 on the ground i'm gonna scorch this sec defense and he's gonna do so because he's confident because he is now empowered from this coaching staff that's gonna I mean, be if you listen if you listen to the podcast at all you know that oh and real quick happy birthday to my abducted son ty thompson today oh, yeah. uh it's his uh, i don't know if it's 20 something like that anyway happy birthday to my man because he's gonna go out there next year and he is gonna completely show out i think that He's got the weapons around him. He's going to have Cardwell in the backfield behind him. He's going to have a talented, experienced offensive line in front of him. And I think this offensive coaching staff is going to go the exact opposite and say, hey, look at all these shiny new toys we have. And again, the SEC in Georgia, that's going to be a, a different animal. I mean, just speed and athleticism and power throughout the depth chart in a way that we don't see on a day-in, day-out basis here in the Pac-12. 
but I think this is a coaching staff and Ty Thompson that's going to take advantage of that opportunity. And I think the, I think the Ducks come out triumphant in that game. So are you pr- predicting that Bo Nix gets hurt then, or is he nope. going to get suspended? He just gets beat. Or he just oh, gets beat. Oh, okay. yep. Ty Thompson just beats him out. Not going to happen. Oh, okay. You're you're on team uh, Bo. Oh yeah. Oh, hundred percent. I I think that this this. This team is built for, like I said multiple times today, this team is built for success. And I think that Bo Nix is the best quarterback as of right now. And especially to start off for a game of that magnitude, for that to be his first ever game, first ever start with a first-year head coach and all of these other things, I think that that is not necessarily a recipe for success, but I think that the floor is so much higher with Bo Nix. Maybe the ceiling might be higher with Ty Thompson, but – When you're playing an SEC team with, you know, you're going to be facing off against multiple NFL players on the defensive side of the ball for them, that you're going to want somebody who's seen that before. And with Bo Nix having his experience in the SEC, I think that's what's going to push him over the edge. I don't think that he will start this necessarily for the whole year, but I think to start the year is going to be Bo Nix. I think Bo Nix is going to do a great job of getting Ty Thompson ready to play. He's going to do a great job at that. But Shane, you think halfway through the year it moves over to Ty? I think I think it could. I think it very well could. I if if it were me, if I was going to make a prediction, I don't think that that, that would uh, be the case. But I definitely could see that happening, especially with Bo Nix being a little bit more of a conservative style quarterback. If they were to lose a couple games, I could see them making that switch. But I don't think they would do it immediately to start the year. And what are you thinking on the overall kind of wins and losses for the team next year? Who? Ooh, I could, oh man, that, that is, that's tough to predict. Uh, I, I would see this team being a one or two loss team. Okay. Um, necessarily. I, I don't really want to predict which ones those, those losses are going to be at this point. I haven't really gotten enough time to really break down the schedule and what the PAC 12 is going to look like, but I would, I, I mean, just be Georgia and one other team. I possibly. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. you know, we Oregon always has a weird game against a Washington state or a Stanford at some point in the season. So sure. Washington state on the road to start off back 12 play. Yeah. Nice. That's, oh, is it crazy. on a Friday night? I mean, that's like probably the, the, the way cream. the Pac-12 runs things. Uh huh. Let's put your, let's put your national, let's put your North champion, your South champion on the road on a Friday <laughs> in a short week. <laughs> it's usually how it goes and things yeah, get is. weird up in Pullman on Friday nights, especially just night games in Pullman in general. It's always like weird weather, oh, just dude. dry. Pullman is Eastern a Washington. shoot anytime. Mm-hmm. It's a tough one. Everybody, everybody in the league goes up there at some point and loses a game. They shouldn't. Every mm-hmm. single team does it. Well, they're kind of in a transition too now. I mean, with Delora leaving, sure. that was a little unexpected for them. Sure. So I don't even know who their backup is, but yeah, any. Anything can happen in Pullman. It's a scary place. It usually it doesn't really matter what their team even looks like, you know. Like it's, it's just point. Exactly. one one week of the year they play like a national championship contender and just you know <laughs> like throw for like five hundred something yards. I mean that was at first like Gardner Minshew crazy game. I was like, what is happening with this guy? I mean, I didn't know he, he was, was something go else, on. man. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> he was but like thought... playing air guitar on the sideline <laughs> and stuff. Like dude, he was a next level guy. Well, it's going to be a really tough run at the end of the year, too. you got uh, Washington, you've got Utah at home, then you got the Beavs on the road. That's that's going to be a tough one. I think the Beavs are going to be markedly improved every single year in, under Jonathan Smith. Mm-hmm, I think sure. they're right in behind. They're, they're that thing. Uh, uh, objects seem closer in the rearview mirror thing, right? And when you're looking behind, you're like, uh-oh, you see yeah. them coming, man. They're making improvements fast. It's like coming home from college and all of a sudden your little brother got a lot taller. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's like, whoa, what have you been eating while I've been gone? Is that a mustache? What's yeah, happening? Seriously, what happened to you? My beaver friends say, you better be prepared for the bees. We eat wood. <laughs> it's a scary animal. Do not mess with a beaver. We eat wood. Oh, man. No, the Platypus Cup is going to be good next year because Jonathan Smith does have that team playing yeah. the right way. Just, Every year, better and better and better. And reminds me of like a, a little similar to what Utah is doing is taking a bunch of guys that have those big chips on their shoulder, aren't highly recruited, mm -hmm. developing them, putting them in situations to succeed. So, I mean, it only helps the Pac-12. I'm all for the Beavers playing well, except for on the Saturday that we play them. I totally mm -hmm. agree. And I, I, think we, I think we need the Pac-12 to show up next year. Yeah. Starts yeah, the non-conference. So. There's going to be some really big non-conference matchups, including ours. But and then and then you got to do something at the end of the year in the bowls. Even if the yep. bowls are half of what they used to be, you still got to show up and win some of those games. I mean, the Pac-12 hasn't won a bowl game since Justin Herbert. Yeah, not what you true. want. That's not good. Well, yeah. and we all. I mean, we knew Washington was going to be. We knew they were overrated, but I didn't know they were just going to completely tailspin. Yeah, right. that was unbelievable. Well, and my friends who are up there, I have friends and family who are dogs, and uh, they were like, this is the Mark Helfrich thing. This is it. It's it's mm -hmm. falling off a cliff. And they were saying this to begin the year. You know, the, the, the Montana loss was, uh, I mean, you can't run from that. That's a stain that's never, ever, ever, ever clean. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they knew it right out of the gate. They were like, uh-oh, we're in major trouble. And then the Oregon loss, like, literally just pushed the car over the edge. The whole thing ended after the Oregon loss. Yep. yep. Yeah. They had recruits leave. I mean, Ben Roberts. You had other. You had your Boom. coach like punch yeah. a guy. Yeah, I mean, it just all spiraled. It was like 100% turn. And they yeah. had a good thing going too. They had a good thing going with Peterson. They had it rolling. They had the recruiting. They had everything else mm -hmm. going. It felt like. I mean, they're pushing guys into the NFL. I mean, still, those guys that they had on yeah, the teams are having unbelievable NFL careers, and that That's will right. help you in the recruiting trail for as long as they're able to have that NFL success. So it was, yeah, I mean, we we thought they were overrated. I mean, just like, you know, from, you know, Husky Twitter, which is just sure. the most, like, hyperbolic place in the, in the world. Speaking of places, schools that probably have dysfunctional so Twitter spaces. <laughs> so good. So good. I would love to see just like a one-on-one -on -one showdown between Owen 12 and Ruth Dobbins <laughs> or whatever her name is. I don't even really know who she is, but I see her on retweets. Oh, yeah. Man. But yeah, dude, I just, a... I love that. I think that the, I think, I think there's something to be said about the, the, the rival between Oregon state and Oregon. I play into that, that week that we play each other. We just had that in the basketball game. I love that for one day we can pull that out or for one week, whatever we can kind of get into that mindset. But other than that, it's really Oregon against everybody else. And I'm rooting for those guys over there. I'm rooting for Wayne Tinkle and I'm rooting for Jonathan Smith when we're not playing us, because I, I, again, I think everybody needs to get better in this conference. I think Cal's getting better slowly, but surely Stanford, always going to be good i think they're going to have ups and downs a little bit here and there but last year was a little bit of anomaly it feels like washington will come back they're just not good right now i think the cougs are always a question mark but i think it's still oregon all day in the north and i think it's usc all day in the south until utah can sustain it i think you got to give utah a lot of credit last year they did strike lightning in a bottle a little bit though they lost to the Beavs last year. They weren't really 100%. They got hot at the end of the year. They were on a mission, the whole 22 thing. Both those kids, they were on an absolute mission. They got it done. They just lost to Ohio State. No, that shows the the power of everybody rowing in the same direction and just exactly. having, you know, absolute purpose about what they're doing in Utah. I mean, I was really high on, go, on Utah going into the season last year, but yes. they even – they. 
after those first couple weeks, my expectations dropped so low that they overachieved so much then mm -hmm. at that point. But I could see, I mean, they're going to be the main rival to USC, especially now with Arizona State completely falling off a cliff and everything that's going on down there with their program. Who knows what situation they're going to be in the next couple yeah, of years. My goodness. Arizona is always kind of sniffing around. Jedfish is trying down there. This year. Mm -hmm. I think so too. I think getting Delora and getting a couple of those big wide receivers at least shows that there's some excitement, some momentum down there in Tucson. Like, so I think it's like you said, it's going to be Oregon. It's going to be USC. And that's what the PAC 12 wants. And they're you, smart. And, that's what they want. And the country wants it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, especially with the kind of like, you know, just West coast disrespect that we see all the time. The PAC 12 really has to overachieve in order for like, those ESPN pundits even really take us seriously at all. I mean, we're still seeing it in basketball right now. And I mean, the football season, it's even when, you know, Oregon beats Ohio state, you know, we still like barely get a blip on the radar. It's, it's, oh, yeah. it's insane. So, and I, it, like you guys just said, I mean, the whole conference, I mean, how Arizona was able to get some of these guys like Jed fish must be incredible in a room. I don't know his sales pitch, like he'd be yeah. like the best used car salesman of all time. <laughs> Arizona's got it though. I've always yeah. said no offense, but I've always said the two most important things for a recruit is playing time and the females on campus. <laughs> they win you in both of those. That. In both yeah. of those, because this yeah. year their team was not that good, so they can sell. You can be a part of this rebuild. There's playing time available. Let's get this thing. And tens across the board. There's some good ones for sure. <laughs> that campus Never is heard. beautiful. Respect, respect to beautiful level. women. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> And it's a cool area. I mean, it's it, yes. it's very it's very southern. Two hours from Phoenix. It's got a great campus. It's got a super electric basketball program. By far the biggest uh, capacity of, of attendance in the mm -hmm. Pac-12. They they killed the attendance records every time. If you ever go to the Pac-12 basketball tournament in Vegas, Arizona's there, loud and proud. They're constantly there, bear down. I mean, they're they're in bright red constantly. I mean, it it, and they do it. They they they. they it's a tough place to play down there, too. Oh, man. There's been some crazy games down in Tucson. Holy smokes. Just have nightmares of Dennis Dixon <laughs> grabbing his knee. Like, oh, oh, my God. oh, no, no, I no, mean, no. Why'd plethora. you got to do that, dude? Why'd you got to do that? There's a plethora. Oh, man. Yeah. Good word. <laughs> well, hey, gentlemen, I can't thank you guys enough. Appreciate the heck out of you guys. Make sure people are going and following your stuff. And again, uh, uh, as we go through this thing, I'd love to chat again, maybe next year or during the season or something. And let's Sounds continue great. this whole thing for the ducks, man. Let's do this thing for the flock. Absolutely. For the flock. Thanks, Thanks for having us on, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank hey, you. before Appreciate we go, it. what's your take on duck nation? The term. No. Duck nation. No. no. I don't love it. Not, it, not a fan. It's, I thought it was odd, though, that that became such a hot topic, like, you know, kind of controversy with that. It like, did. That was That's stuff why I didn't asked. really see coming. <laughs> That's why I asked. But you yeah. guys being flock pod, I'm a fan because I do yep. like it as the flock. Yeah, we, we thought that was good for our brand. So we definitely yep, exactly. we, we pretty hard that <laughs> love that. Well, hey, again, thank you guys so much. Appreciate you so much, man. Let's have a great year. Go Ducks. Absolutely, man. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Go Ducks. All right. I gave my love a chicken that had no bones. I give. Sorry.
Shout a little bit louder now. 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 Shout a little bit louder now.